Chapter 29 of The Faith of Our Fathers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Faith of Our Fathers by James Cardinal Gibbons. Chapter 29 The Priesthood. The apostles were clothed with the powers of Jesus Christ. The priest, as the successor of the apostles, is clothed with their power. This fact reveals to us the eminent dignity of the priestly character. The exalted dignity of the priest is derived not from the personal merits for which he may be conspicuous, but from the sublime functions which he is charged to perform. To the carnal eye the priest looks like other men, but to the eye of faith he is exalted above the angels, because he exercises powers not given even to angels. The priest is the ambassador of God, appointed to vindicate his honor and to proclaim his glory. We are ambassadors for Christ, says the apostle, God as it were exhorting by us. If it is esteemed a great privilege for a citizen of the United States to represent our country in any of the courts of Europe, how much greater is the prerogative to represent the court of heaven among the nations of the earth? As the Father hath sent me, says our Lord to his apostles, I also send you. Going therefore, teach ye all nations, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you all days, even to the consummation of the world. The jurisdiction of earthly representatives is limited, but the authority of the ministers of God extends over the whole earth, Go ye into the whole world, and preach the gospel, says Christ, to every creature. Not only does Jesus empower his ministers to preach in his name, but he commands their hearers to listen and obey. Whosoever will not receive you, nor hear your words, going forth from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Amen, I say to you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. He that heareth you heareth me, and he that despiseth you despiseth me, and he that despiseth me despiseth him that sent me. God requires not only that his gospel should be heard with reverence, but that the persons of his apostles should be honored as no greater insult can be offered to a nation than to insult its representative at a foreign court so no greater injury can be offered to our lord than to do violence to his representatives the priests of his church touch not my anointed and do no evil to my prophets god avenged the crime of two and forty boys who mocked the prophet eliseus by sending wild beasts to tear them in pieces the frightful death of Maria Monk, the calumniator of consecrated priests and virgins, who ended her life a drunken maniac on Blackwell's Island, proves that our religious institutions are not to be mocked with impunity. When an ambassador is accredited from this country to a foreign court, he is honored with the confidence of the president, from whom he receives private instructions. So does Jesus honor his ambassadors with his friendship and communicate to them the secrets of heaven. I will not now call you servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, because all things whatsoever I have heard of my Father I have made known to you. 
What a privilege to be the herald of God's law to the nations of the earth. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, and that preacheth peace, of him that showeth forth good, that preacheth salvation, that saith to Sion, Thy God shall reign. How cherished a favor to be the bearer of the olive branch of peace to a world deluged by sin, to be appointed by heaven to proclaim a gospel which brings glory to God and peace to men, that gospel which strengthens the weak, converts the sinner, reconciles enemies, consoles the afflicted heart, and holds out to all the hope of eternal salvation. I have often reflected on a remark made to me by Senator Bayard of Delaware. You of the clergy, he said, have a great advantage as public speakers over us political men. You enjoy the confidence of your hearers. You can speak as long as you please. You can admonish and rebuke as much as you please, without any fear of contradiction, while we are constantly liable to interruption. Oh, what a tremendous power is wielded by the Catholic preacher! Hundreds of souls are hanging on his words. Hundreds are sustained by him in spiritual life, and leave the church depending on him whether they go forth fortified with the bread of life, or famished and disappointed. I can say of every priest what Simeon said of our Lord, This man is set for the fall and the resurrection of many in Israel. Not only are priests the ambassadors of God, but they are also the dispensers of his graces and the almoners of his mercy. Let a man so regard us, says the Apostle, as ministers of Christ and dispensers of the mysteries of God. How can he be called a dispenser of God's mysteries whose labors are confined to preaching? But he is truly a dispenser of divine mysteries who distributes to the faithful the sacraments, the mysterious symbols and efficient causes of grace. As St. John Chrysostom observes, it was not to angels or archangels, but to the priests of the new law that Christ said, Whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound also in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed also in heaven. To them alone he gave the power to forgive sin, saying, Whose sins you shall forgive, they are forgiven. To them alone he gave the power of consecrating his body and blood, and dispensing the same to the faithful. He has empowered the priests of the new law to impart the grace of regeneration in baptism. He has assigned to them the solemn duty of preparing the dying Christian for his final journey to eternity. Is any man sick among you? Let him bring in the priests of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. As far as heaven is above earth, as eternity is above time, and the soul is above the body, so far are the prerogatives vested in God's ministers higher than those of any earthly potentate. An earthly prince can cast into prison or release therefrom, but his power is over the body. He cannot penetrate into the sanctuary of the soul, whereas the minister of God can release the soul from the prison of sin and restore it to the liberty of a child of God. To sum up in a few brief sentences the titles of a Catholic priest. He is a king, reigning not over unwilling subjects, but over the hearts and affections of his people. His spiritual children pay him not only the tribute of their money, but also the tribute of their love, which royalty can neither purchase nor exact. 
he is a shepherd because he leads his flock into the delicious pastures of the sacraments and shelters them from the wolves that lie in wait for their souls he is a father because he breaks the bread of life to his spiritual children whom he has begotten in christ jesus through the gospel he is a judge whose office it is to pass sentence of pardon on self-accusing criminals he is a physician because he heals their souls from the loathsome distempers of sin st john in his apocalypse represents the church under the figure of a city i saw the holy city the new jerusalem coming down from heaven from god prepared as a bride adorned for her husband our saviour is the architect and founder of this celestial city the apostles are its foundation the faithful are the living stones of the edifice the anointed ministers of the lord are the workmen chosen to adjust and polish these stones that they may reflect the beauty and glory of the son of justice that perpetually illumines this city the priests are engaged in adorning the interior of the heavenly jerusalem by enriching with virtue the precious souls entrusted to their charge god gave some indeed apostles and some prophets and others evangelists and others pastors and doctors for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of christ which is his church what an honor is this to the priest of the new law surely god hath not done alike to every nation and his judgments he hath not made manifest to them with how much more force may we apply to the successors of the apostles the words which god spoke to the priests of the old law hear ye sons of levi it is a small thing unto you that the god of israel hath separated you from all the people and joined you to himself that he should serve him in the service of the tabernacle and should stand before the congregation of the people and minister unto him our lord affectionately puts this question three times to peter simon lovest thou me and three times peter answers him lord thou knowest that i love thee what proof of love then does jesus exact of peter does he say if thou lovest me chastise thy body by fasting and stripes prophesy work miracles lay down thy life for me no but feed my lambs feed my sheep this was to be the closest bond of peter's devotion to his master and of the master's affection for his disciple and our lord declares that the reward of his disciples would be commensurate with the dignity of their ministry behold says peter we have left all things and have followed thee what therefore shall we have and jesus said to them amen i say to you that you who have followed me in the regeneration when the son of man shall sit on the seat of his majesty you shall also sit on twelve seats judging the twelve tribes of israel and immediately after he adds that the worthy successors of the apostles shall share in their felicity and every one that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall possess life everlasting i know that there are many in our days who deny that priests possess any spiritual power as if god could not communicate such power to men i understand why atheists and rationalists who reject all revelation 
should deny all supernatural authority to the ministers of god but that professing christians who accept the testimony of scripture should share in this unbelief passes my comprehension has not the almighty in numberless instances recorded in holy writ made man the instrument of his power did not moses convert the rivers of egypt into blood did he not cause water to issue from the barren rock did not the prophets predict future events did not the sun stand still in the heavens at the command of joshua did not eliseus the prophet raise the dead to life why do we believe all these prodigies because the scriptures record them does not the same word of god declare that the apostles received power to confer the holy ghost by the imposition of hands to forgive sins to consecrate the body and blood of christ etc is not the new testament as worthy of belief as the old has not jesus christ solemnly promised to be always with the ministers of his church even to the consummation of the world strengthening them to repeat those miracles of mercy that were wrought by his first disciples can the god of truth be unfaithful to his promises is he not as strong and merciful now as he was in the days of the prophets and apostles and are not we as much in need of the holy ghost as the primitive christians were if god could make feeble men the ministers of his mercy then why not now but should a priest consider himself greater than other men because he exercises such authority far from it he ought to humble himself beneath others when he reflects to what weak hands god assigns power so tremendous he should remember what our saviour said to the seventy-two disciples who returning with joy from their first mission cried out to him lord even the devils are subject to us in thy name but jesus checked their vainglory saying i saw satan like lightning fall from heaven behold i have given you power but rejoice not in this that spirits are subject to you but rejoice in this that your names are written in heaven the priest does not forget that the most severe judgment shall be for them that bear rule and that judgment should begin at the house of god the words of the apostle are present to his mind what hast thou that thou hast not received and if thou hast received why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it as well might the vessel that is filled with precious liquor boast of being superior to the vessel that is filled with water the priest knows full well that the powers he has received from god are given to him not to feed his own vanity but to enrich the hearts of the faithful and that though instrumental in pointing out to others the way to heaven he himself unless adorned with personal virtues will become a reprobate like those unhappy priests of jerusalem who directed the magi to jesus in bethlehem but did not go thither themselves i have planted says the apostle apollo watered but god gave the increase therefore neither he that planteth is anything nor he that watereth but god that giveth the increase we perform the outward ceremony god alone supplies the grace the obligations of the minister of god are therefore commensurate with his exalted dignity the priest is required to be a man of profound learning and of solid piety 
the lips of the priest shall keep knowledge and they the people shall seek the law at his mouth the lord denounces the priests of the old law because they neglected to study the sacred sciences because thou hast rejected knowledge i will reject thee that thou shalt not do the office of priesthood for me and thou hast forgotten the law of thy god i will also forget thy children to you says our lord to his apostles it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of god to the rest in parables the priests of the new law like the apostles are the custodians of the mysteries of religion now we know that the knowledge of god's kingdom is not imparted to us by inspiration or revelation christ does not personally teach us as he taught his apostles it is by hard study that the knowledge of his law is acquired by us he does not lift us up on angels wings to the spiritual parnassus it is only by the royal road of earnest labor that we can attain those heights which will enable us to contemplate the kingdom of heaven and describe it to others as physician of the soul he must be conversant with its various distempers and must know what remedy is to be applied in each particular case if society justly holds the unskillful physician responsible for the fatal consequences of his malpractice surely god will call to a strict account the spiritual physician who through criminal ignorance prescribes injudicious remedies to the souls of the patients committed to his charge as judge of souls he must know when to bind and when to loose when to defer and when to pronounce sentence of absolution if nothing is so disastrous to the republic as an incompetent judge whose decisions though involving life and death are rendered at haphazard and not in accordance with the merits of the case so nothing is more detrimental to the christian commonwealth than an ignorant priesthood whose decisions injuriously affect the salvation of souls the advocate in our courts of justice feels bound in conscience and in honor to study the case of his client with the utmost diligence and to defend him before the jury with all the eloquence he can muster and yet the suit may not involve more than a brief imprisonment or even a lifetime fine but the priest like moses stands before god to intercede for his people and before the people to advocate the cause of god he not only ascends daily the altar to plead for the people and to cry out with the prophet spare o lord spare thy people and give not thy inheritance to reproach but every sunday he mounts the pulpit to vindicate the claims which god has on his subjects certainly if an attorney is bound to study his client's cause before he defends it no matter how trifling the issue how much more imperative is the obligation of the priest to study well his case when he reflects that an immortal soul is on trial and before men who are often the worst enemies of their own soul he has to convince the people that the narrow road which their inclinations abhor is to be followed and that the broad road which their self-love and their passions tend to pursue is to be abandoned conviction in this case requires rare tact as well as eloquence and learning but the minister of religion has to defend the soul not only against the corruptions of the heart 
but also against those doctrinal errors that are daily springing up in every direction and which are plausibly preached by false teachers who bring to their support the most specious arguments couched in the most attractive language to refute these errors often requires the most consummate skill and a profound knowledge of history and the solely scripture it is no wonder then that the church insists that her clergy be educated men hence our ecclesiastical students are usually obliged to devote from ten to fourteen years to the diligent study of the modern and ancient languages of history and philosophy of the great science of theology and holy scripture before they are elevated to the sacred ministry it is true indeed that owing to the rapidly increasing demand for clergy in the united states our bishops have hitherto been sometimes compelled to abridge the course of studies of the candidates for the ministry but now that the church is more thoroughly organized and that seminaries are multiplied among us they are happily enabled to extend to their young levites the advantages of a full term of literary and theological training if the priest should be eminent for his learning he should be still more conspicuous for his virtues for he is expected to preach more by example than by precept if in the old law god charged his priests with the admonition be sanctified ye that carry the vessels of the lord how much more strictly is holiness of life enjoined on the priests of the new dispensation who not only touch the sacred vessels but drink from them the precious blood of the lord purer says st chrysostom than any solar ray should that hand be which divides that flesh that mouth which is filled with spiritual fire that tongue which is purpled with that most awful blood in order to foster in us the spirit of personal piety we are constantly admonished by the church to be men of prayer the priest should be like those angels whom jacob saw in a vision ascending to heaven and descending therefrom on the mystical ladder he is expected to ascend by prayer and to descend by preaching he ascends to heaven to receive light from god he descends to communicate that light to his hearers he ascends to draw at the fountain of divine grace he descends to diffuse those living waters among the faithful that their hearts may be refreshed he ascends to light his torch at the ever-burning furnace of divine love he descends to communicate the flame to the souls of his people the church indeed considers prayer so indispensable to her clergy that besides the voluntary exercises of piety which their private devotion may suggest she requires them to devote at least an hour each day to the recitation of the divine office which chiefly consists of the psalms and other portions of holy scripture the homilies of the early fathers and prayers of marvellous force and unction End of chapter twenty nine